0: Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tulkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshachinu, Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear, amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this uh, Shabbat that you have given us for this opportunity To come together and to worship in your presence to receive from you and to meet with you father i pray that as we open up your word today that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives that you will move upon us and that you will uh breathe your breath and your words into our lives this morning that every word that is spoken will come directly from you from your heart uh, and be received by us for the betterment and the growth of our walk with you And Father, I pray that nothing of me be involved except that which you have ordained and anointed specifically for this purpose. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Last week, uh, we read about the ten spies coming back uh, from the promised land, crossing the Jordan, and bringing... Uh, back to Israel, the negative report about the land of Israel, about the land of Canaan in particular at that point, um, and the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, that brought back a good report. And we saw about how the Lord, because of Israel's lack of faith and their, uh, their, their fear to go in and to take the land that the Lord had commanded for us to take, and that he had already provided victory, even if we were unaware of Uh, Because of their lack of faith, they were condemned to 40 years in the wilderness, two of which had already been uh, served, if you would, uh, and 38 more they were going to experience in the wilderness before they crossed over, and that every single person of the first generation that left Egypt and crossed the Yomsof, the Sea of Reeds, with exception of Joshua and Caleb, would die in the wilderness and not see the fulfillment of the promises of God in their life. Um, and immediately after everything that happens, uh, the, the some of the nation of Israel saw what was happening and how the Lord dealt with the 10 spies, and they rushed across the border to try and go take victory of the land thinking, okay, well, maybe if we do it now, the Lord will still protect us. And they end up getting slaughtered and chased away and and are a total and utter abysmal failure. Um, And we see the beginning of that first generation start to die away. Um, From this point in the book of Numbers through basically the remainder of Numbers becomes kind of uh, in some ways a rather bleak concept to hold to because what we know now is that 600,000 men have to die, plus all the women that were, uh, that crossed over that were uh, old enough to deal with it. But there were 600,000 men over the age of 20 who crossed over the Amsof, uh and were of age to go to war, plus all the women that were adults that crossed over as well that have to die in the, the wilderness. And so last week we saw a bunch of them die. This week we see uh, another 15,000 give or take that die because of the rebellion that we read about in this particular portion, Parsha Korach. Um, and as we look at Parsha Korach, there's a lot of things like, people love to talk about rebellion when we deal with Korach, with pastors, rabbis, when we deal with this section of, of numbers, this is like the, uh, the creme de la creme of how to beat the anti-rebellion concept into the congregation's mind. Um, and I'm not going to do that today. Um, but I am going to talk about something that I think is, is vastly important, uh, that is a spiritual concept we can take away from Parsha Karach, and one that I think as believers we need to grasp and take a hold of, because much like Karach, sometimes we too are guilty of the same mentality that we see from Karach and his men, which may not be even what you are considering and thinking of as you read it. Um, I want to real quick just put this in perspective. Um, as we move forward from here in 1 Corinthians 122 it says for Jewish people ask for signs and Greek people seek after wisdom but we proclaim Messiah crucified a stumbling block to the Jewish people and foolishness to the Gentile people but to those who are called both Jewish and Greek people Messiah the power of God and the wisdom of God as we look at this and we look in John 4 and a few other places in the gospels we see this overarching theme and if you read the gospels you can really see it come out of the Jews requiring a sign uh, of the Jews requiring a sign that God is moving. As we look through the Gospels over and over again, most of what Messiah did, most of what Yeshua did when he walked on earth was giving signs, particularly prophetic signs, of the fact uh, that he is Messiah, proving who he is as the Son of God, proving who he is as our salvation. And, uh, and part of that is because there is the mentality that, as Jewish people, we do require a sign to understand, to see, and what's happening. We question everything, and we argue about everything. and As we look at this week's Parsha, I set up with that passage from 1 Corinthians and the concept from John 4 of the Jew requiring a sign, because this is what we deal with here in this Parsha, is there is sign after sign after sign in this single Parsha, proving the anointed of God, proving what God wants to do through Moses and Aaron, proving what God wants to do through the Kohanim, the priesthood, uh, and so on. If you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up to Numbers chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Numbers chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. It says, now Korach, son of uh, Isar, son of Kohath, uh, son of Levi, and sons of Reuben, Datan, and Aviram, sons of Eliab, and An, son of Pelet, rose up against Moses and took 250 men from B'nai Israel, men of renown who had been appointed to the council. They assembled against Moses and Aaron. They said to them, you've gone too far. All the community is holy, all of them, and Adonai is with them. Then why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of Adonai? And verse four says immediately, when Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Again, we see this beautiful image uh, just as a byproduct, which is a beautiful image of Moses on his face interceding on behalf of Israel. But aside from that, what we notice here is, yet again, the enemy infiltrating the people of God with just enough truth, with lie wrapped around it, just enough truth for people to grab a hold of it, but then to find out it's a lie, like we talked about with Genesis uh, 3 and the, the temptation of Adam, or particularly temptation of Eve, and the temptation of Adam that followed suit, where the enemy said, did the Lord really say you were going to die? And what he was getting at is, did he say you were going to die right now? Like, if you eat this fruit, you're going to drop on the spot. Uh, and, and Eve goes, well, I guess he didn't really say it like that. So she eats the fruit, and she doesn't die on the spot. But the Lord was absolutely truthful when he said that they would die, and ultimately they die uh, years later. And what we see is the enemy uses just enough truth. Well, the Lord didn't say you would drop dead now. He did say you would die, but he didn't say you would drop dead now. And she went, oh, you're right. Maybe it's not as bad as he makes it sound. And they eat it here. Uh, uh, Korach and, and Aviram come before Moses and they have the same kind of mentality. The enemy is just fit just enough truth in the pile of garbage that he shoved down the throats of, of Korach, Dayton, and Abiram that they have fallen prey to this temptation, that they come before Moses and say, you've gone too far. All the community or all of Israel is holy, all of them, and Adonai is with them. Then why do you exalt yourself above all the assembly of Adonai? And it's true, right? All of Israel is holy. The Lord has made all of Israel holy. Absolutely, without a doubt, they are the holy people. But that doesn't mean that Moses has exalted himself. That doesn't mean that Moses has done anything wrong. And that doesn't mean that Moses isn't exalted by God through the anointing and the ordination that the Lord has put on him for the specific purpose he has at being the leader of Israel. Now, what we end up seeing here in the midst of this little bit of lie, and we follow the track of who these men are, we realize there's a little more going on in the background of the story than just simple rebellion. But instead, it's a uprising again of a jealous attitude. So we have jealousy, which is the negative reality, and we have zealousy, which is a righteous reality. The Lord is zealous for us. He is jealous with an angry, a, a jealous anger for his people, but he is zealous for us, and we should be zealous for him. Jealousy, on the other hand, comes forth from anger, from hate, from uh, a desire to have what somebody else has, as opposed to zeal, which, uh, and by the way, in Hebrew, they both come from the same root word. Uh, and, and the reality is a zeal is something completely uh, uh, godly and necessary. When we look at the lineage of these men, particularly Korach, Korach is from the, the Kohathites. He is part of the Kohathites, which is a Levitical tribe. Anybody remember the three Levitical tri- uh, families? The, the tribe of Levi, the three families. You have the Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merari, right? The Kohathites are the ones that are responsible for the actual furnishings of the tabernacle. They're the ones that are responsible for the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, when it's time to move, they carry the Ark, they carry the, uh, the, the altar, they carry the menorah, they carry all of the various furnishings of the actual tabernacle. They take care of them, they protect them, they guard them, they carry them. From the Kohathites came a particular family, the sons of Amram, which is Aaron, and Moses. Now, Miriam also, but she's not part of this particular discussion, but Aaron and Moses. Moses becomes the head of Israel. He becomes the prophet, kind of the judge, if you would, over Israel. And then Aaron becomes the high priest of Israel. And the covenant of the high priest, the covenant of the priesthood itself, those who serve in the tabernacle and the temple, not just take care of the furnishings, but actually serve using and ministering with the furnishings, are Aaron. Aaron is the firstborn of Amram. Amram is the firstborn of the Kohathites. So, naturally speaking, if the firstborn has a role, the secondborn should have a role as well, right? Well, the secondborn is Itzar, and Itzar is the father of Korach. But it's not Korach who is the leader of the rest of the Kohathites. Instead, the leadership of the rest of the Kohathites goes to Elsiphon, and Elsiphon is the son of Uziel, the thirdborn. And not just the thirdborn, but, but he's actually the secondborn of Uziel. So, he's the secondborn of the thirdborn of the Kohathites and the leadership of the Kohathites goes to him, so what we end up seeing now is that with, uh, with, with uh, Korach is he's actually angry and jealous because the role that he thought should be his. Look, the firstborn has a job. We have the prophet of Israel and we have the high priest and the firstborn and the children of Amram, and that's cool, I'm all right with that, but I'm the secondborn, I'm the firstborn of the secondborn, so the next delineation of authority in this family should go to me. So I want this position, I want this role, I want this authority, and instead it went to somebody else. Now, the other two guys that are uh, involved in this is Dayton and Abiram, and Dayton and Abiram are the son of Eliab, uh, who are the sons of, and uh, tradition says they're actually brothers, but they're the sons of Reuben. They come from the descendancy of Reuben, Reuben being the firstborn of Israel, right? But the actual leadership of Israel in terms of the tribes outside of the priesthood went to who? Didn't go to Reuben, right? Who did it go to? Went to Judah, and what's really interesting is if we look at the camps here, we see that uh, on the east side of the, temple, of the tabernacle, which is where the entrance to the tabernacle, the entrance to the outer courts, the courts of praise, the entrance to the tabernacle was on the east side. Who camped on the east side? The Kohanim. The Aaronic order, the Kohanim, Aaron and his priesthood, live. they camped right outside the tabernacle on the east side. And who camps just past them on the east side? Judah, right? Judah's the head, the leadership, the kingship of Israel comes out of the lineage of Judah. Who camps on the side with the Kohathites? Immediately next to the Kohathites, which is where uh, uh, Korah comes from. Who camps with the Kohathites? Reuben. So these two guys camp next to each other, uh, these families. And so you have Dayton and Aviram and Korah who are near each other in the way that they camp. And so they've been concocting this problem, this conspiracy for a while now. And they're both acting out of jealousy because Dayton and Aviram are the descendants of the firstborn of Israel, but they're not in leadership. Judah is. And the promise of the king of Israel doesn't come through Reuben. It comes through Judah. Now, we know as believers the necessity for this because Messiah Yeshua, our Messiah, our salvation comes through the, the lineage of Judah. is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is also our high priest. So he takes on the role of both the king of Judah, the king of Israel, and the priest of Israel, which are both the people that camp on the east side of the tabernacle. And, the t- uh, and, and, uh, and he is able then to cross in not only to the outer courts as Judah could do, uh, but into the inner courts and ultimately into the Holy of Holies on behalf of us. So there's a necessity for this. But the firstborn uh, and the the next in delineation of the tribe of the Kohathites in Korach and his family were upset because they didn't have their place at the head of the table. And they were jealous of what uh, Aaron and Moses had. They were jealous of the anointing and they were jealous of the authority that had been given to them. Now, this is nothing new. As a matter of fact, the enemy likes to do this. Whenever he sees that there is an anointing authority on somebody, he likes to raise up those around them. If he can tempt them to do so, he likes to raise up those around him through jealousy, through anger, through, uh, through, through hurt feelings or whatever else to stand against the Lord's anointed. In this particular situation was Korach, Dayton, and Aviram. Uh, and they were jealous of what God had done in giving the authority they assumed to be theirs rightfully to others within the nation of Israel. And they got upset and they got angry and they raise up against the, uh, the, the anointed of Israel, the anointed of the Lord in Moses and Aaron. And he wants to take on the role of the priesthood. Now, the Levites had a pretty cool job, right? Especially the Kohathites. The Kohathites were in charge of the actual furnishings. You really can't get much better than that in terms of what some of the other tribes had available to them. They had a really awesome job, but it wasn't enough. And he wanted more and more, and he wanted the next step, and he wanted to be the priest. He wanted to take on what wasn't his and what was rightfully anointed by God to somebody else. And so Moses falls on his face before the Lord in intercession for Israel. Verse 5 says, Then he said to Korach and all the following, saying, In the morning out I will reveal who is his and who is holy. The one whom he will let come near to him will be the one who chooses to come near to him. Do this, Korach, and your whole following. Take for yourselves censers. Put fire and incense into them and the presence of Adonai. Tomorrow, the man that Adonai chooses will be the holy one. You sons of Levi are the ones who have gone too far. The wrong people holding censers with fire at the wrong time in the presence of the Lord really doesn't pan out very well, right? You remember Aaron's sons, and and you got to think like if, if I were Korach and Moses says, I want you to do that, I would, wait a second, I know what's going. I remember this game. I remember how this played out last time. I'm not following for this. And then what we end up seeing is in verse 8, Moses also says to Harak listen now, uh, sons of Levi, isn't it enough that the God of Israel has set you apart from the community of Israel to bring you near to him to do the work of the tabernacle of Adonai and to stand before the community to minister to them? So he brought you close along with all your fellow sons of Levi, but you were seeking the priesthood too. Therefore, you and all your following are banding together against Adonai. Who then is Aaron that you are grumbling against him? In other words, you're not against Aaron, you're against God himself. Then Moses sent word to call Dayton and Aviram, sons of Eliab, but they said, We will not come. So Karach didn't quite get the picture, but Dayton and Aviram went, Nope. <laughs> we remember this and I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not coming. So they were bold enough to run their mouth, but they weren't bold enough to, to go and stand for it. We will not come. Isn't it enough that you brought us from the land flowing with milk and honey only to kill us in the wilderness? And now you would lord it over us. What's more, you haven't brought us in the land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Would you now ga- gouge out the eyes of those men? We won't come. So it's funny how we do stuff wrong things start to go wrong in our lives and and who do we blame we blame god or we blame the anointed of god and we we don't take any responsibility for it right so here dayton and abiram are upset uh and they're talking here they're saying hey you haven't brought us in the land full of milk and honey like you said you were going to do and you brought us out here to die in the wilderness and 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 we're not gonna we're not gonna go along with this this is ridiculous well who actually is the one responsible for them not going into the promised land themselves Who is it that's responsible for them dying in the wilderness? It's themselves. They were the ones that didn't have the faith to follow the promise of the Lord and to walk in the victory that had already been given to them, but they're trying to put that on somebody else. As a matter of fact, I would kind of think Dayton and Aviram are a great example of your average American. Um, we're really good about messing things up and blaming other people for it, right? Uh, And we don't like taking responsibility. As a matter of fact, I would say probably most of humanity are that way. We don't like taking responsibility for our own actions. Instead, we want to put it on somebody else. As a matter of fact, that's one of my biggest problems with the, the, the whole concept, of like one saved, always saved, is we take away the necessity for us to have responsibility for our own lives. Right? Well, we said a prayer, we repeated after the pastor, we're good to go. We don't ever have to worry about it again. There's no more responsibility on me. God's already taken care of it all and we're good to go. Well, no, there's still a responsibility to walk in righteousness and holiness. Um, what we end up seeing, though, is not only is this a scenario where we see the same mentality, the same attitude, where the, those who are already in a position of authority or those who are already good men, those who are already a part of what God is doing, want more. As a matter of fact, in this week's Haftar Parsha, we see it in 1 Samuel. um, We see how Israel, they had God as their king. They had Samuel, Shmuel as their, their prophet. They had everything. They were in the promised land. Things were going okay for them. But then they looked around at the nations around them and they wanted to be like the nations around them and they asked for a king. Well, isn't that specifically something the Lord said not to do? To want to be like the nations around them? We were called to be separate, set apart righteous and holy. Yet here we are asking for a king and Shmuel, Samuel gets upset. As a matter of fact, one of the best speeches I've ever seen in the scriptures is Shmuel losing his mind on Israel. Um, and, uh, And what we end up seeing is Israel does the same thing. They end up trying to usurp what the Lord is doing through his anointed, through his people. Now, here's where it gets fun. Guess what you and I are as followers of Messiah? Guess what we are? We're anointed. We are the anointed ones of the Lord, right? 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are the king's kohanim. We are a holy people. We are the Lord's priests. Now, we are not priests in the sense of the Aaronic order, but we are priests. It is our role as those who are capable of entering into the presence of the Lord to minister on behalf of his presence to those who aren't. So that ultimately, all those that we come into contact with are then able to enter into the presence of the Lord. We are his anointed. Well, guess what? The enemy doesn't like the Lord's anointed. The enemy is going to constantly come against us. The enemy will try to get us to rise against the Lord, rise against Hashem uh, in jealousy, as we see in this week's Haftar. I just mentioned it with 1 Samuel. He's going to try and get us to rise against the authority that the Lord has placed over us, or he's going to get us to try and rise against the blessings that we don't see yet but are complaining we don't have yet. See, we are anointed ones. We are Kedoshim. We are the holy ones. We are bought by the blood of the Lamb. We are part of the nation of Israel, the commonwealth of Israel, both Jew and Gentile alike. And we have a responsibility to walk in holiness before the Lord. We have a responsibility to walk in the power and the authority of the Ruach HaKodesh before the Lord and the world around us. But a lot of times we decide more uh, that we actually want something different and out of jealousy of what we see with others around us, we actually become Korach and Dayton and Aviram in reverse. See, Korach, Dayton and Aviram wanted more of an anointing. But a lot of times as believers with the anointing already on us, we want what the world has around us. We want the big house or the big cars and the the finer things in life. And we want to have the fun. We want to go out and party. We want to go out and do all of these things. And we look at the life of a believer as though it's bleak and boring and humble. and, And we're always going to be lowly and we're going to be. But you know what? The Lord has already given us greater than that because he's given us himself within us so that we can then impact the world around us. Right? You're not going to influence people with tons of money if you don't believe me. Just look at how our current president's response from the rest of the country is right? You're not going to get much more rich than, than, than uh, Donald Trump and in a position of authority like he is, yet people don't like him. People don't want anything to do with him. People are revolting against him, right? And the reality about it is money's not going to do the job. All the fine things aren't going to do the job. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you act. If it's not walking solely in the authority and the anointing of the Lord, we're not going to do our job. If we're operating in anything other than that, we're merely trying to be like everyone around us. We are merely trying to be Korach, Daytan, and Aviram in reverse. Korach, Deitan, and Aviram wanted a better anointing, or at least what they thought was a better anointing. And a lot of times we want less of an anointing. We want the world has. We want what everyone else has because we don't want to be different. It's weird to be different. Being different, people look at you funny. They laugh at you. They poke at you. They call you names. They're mean to you. They don't believe you or they act uh, like you're an idiot or you're crazy. You know what? Faith the Messiah is kind of crazy. And if we're going to be honest about it, faith that signs and wonders and miracles can happen through us and His Ruach, a His Holy Spirit that's in our lives, that's kind of crazy. But it's true. I've experienced it. Some of you, many of you have experienced it. It's absolutely true. There is empirical data that I have in my life that proves that it is true. So it's not a matter of whether other people think it's crazy, but when we walk in it, when we walk in the authority and the anointing that is ours, imagine if, 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 if Korach, as a Levite, as a Kohathite, as one who gets to interact with the actual furnishings of the tabernacle, imagine if he had simply walked in the authority and the anointing that was already his. Not trying to take somebody else's but walked in what was already his. Imagine how much different the scenario would be. If he was using his gifts and his talents and the things that the Lord has already placed in his life for the Lord's purposes, the way the Lord had given them to him or for what he had given them to him for. Imagine how much different things would be. He would be complimentary to the priesthood. Rather than trying to take the priesthood, he'd be complimentary to it. Same thing with the, the family of Reuben, the tribe of Reuben. They would be complimentary to the to the priesthood complementary to judah if we only walk in the authority that is ours now a lot of times it's not just us walk living like korach in reverse but we also do the same thing when we look at other people's lives some of us may have gifts and talents to teach some of us may have gifts and talents to lead worship some of us may have gifts and talents or or a special anointing specifically in a ministry of healing and we, as, as teachers or as preachers, may look at somebody like that and go, they kind of have a better gig. People respect them more because they see these miracles and these signs that happen through them. Why can't I have that? Why can't I be like the worship leader that has this wonderful uh, presence about them and they usher people into the presence of the Lord? Or, or somebody who uh, uh, has a gift and a talent for uh, maintenance and construction and these kinds of things that are operating in that gift and talent and the ministry of the Lord that look at others and go, but I, I kind of want what that teacher has, or I kind of want what that youth leader has, or I kind of want... But we refuse to operate or forget the importance of operating in our own authority and our own anointing that the Lord has already given us and the gifts and talents that we have. And when we actually operate in the way that the Lord has established us and His people as His anointed, we become complementary to each other. One body, right? Paul talks about it. There's one body, but there's many that are hands. There are many that are feet. There are many that are ears. There are many that are mouths, and probably should be a few less mouths. Um, there are many that are, uh, 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 you know, the, the eyes or, or what have you. But we all come together to be one body, and we complement each other. Or at least we should. And when we operate in the authority and the anointing the Lord has placed on us and not worry about the authority and anointing that the Lord has placed on somebody else, guess what happens? things start to go as the Lord had planned for our lives to be, as he wanted for things to go. Immediately after this, Moses tells uh, Korach and Dayton and Aviram and all these guys, the 250 men with them to bring these censers uh, filled with incense, and they light them. And and the Lord obviously selects his anointed, which is Aaron, and all these guys uh, end up dying. The, The ground opens up and swallows them alive. Moses says, look, You want a sign, here's a sign. If these men die like all the rest of you, then, you know, obviously I'm full of it. But if the Lord does something completely different and these guys die in a completely new way and the ground opens up and swallows them and their entire household, then you'll know who the Lord's anointed is. The ground opens up and swallows them alive and the 250 men that were with them, guess what happens? Just like Aaron's oldest two sons, the fire of the Lord comes out from the presence and consumes them and kills them. And all of a sudden, the people of Israel, instead of going, oh man, we messed up again, we should, we should get things right, immediately they start to complain. But, but see, Moses, now you're killing us. Why are you killing us? Why are you doing all these things? And then Moses has to go and new signs and wonders have to come forth from the Lord. And you have the, uh, the, the uh, uh, staff of Aaron budding with almonds and, and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, while all the other staffs of the heads of the tribes of Israel do nothing. And it becomes a sign before the nation of Israel for, all, for uh, every generation of who the Lord's anointed is. The reality is, is if we just simply sit back and enjoy the ride. If we follow what the Lord has already planned for our own lives, and we walk in faithfulness with that, we begin to see things change. We begin to see the reality of what the Lord wanted for us and wanted to do through us. But so often we want what everybody else has. We want what everybody else is doing. Look, within Messianic Judaism, we're obviously a little different than most of the rest of the body. And if you haven't figured that out yet, you haven't been here long enough, give us a few weeks, you'll catch on pretty quick. We're weird messianic judaism is a little different and honestly in a lot of cases we lure even more crazy um but messianic judaism is a little different than the rest of the body of messiah and because we're a little different i truly believe because the scripture prophesies and promises that the head uh that, that we will be the head again and not the tell and there's this image that we are going to be the leaders of israel the 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 those that are attached to judaism with faith in messiah that we are going to be the leaders of the people of God, that we're going to be the leaders of the body of Messiah again. And I believe we're slowly transitioning into that day. Um, But as we, looking already strange and different and walking in our anointing and authority the Lord has given us, look at the rest of the body around us. And we look at other congregations and we go, you know... They don't necessarily follow the Lord the way that we believe the Word of God says we should. They don't necessarily worship the Lord the way we believe the Word of God says. They don't live the way we believe the Word of God says that you should live. Why is it that the Lord is blessing them? Why is it that their congregations are growing and exploding? And why is it that they're able to to do this and that and the other? And why is it that they have so much in the bank? And why is it they have this? And why is it we don't? And we become Dayton and Aviram and Korach and we're looking at those around us going, but I'm not happy with just settling with what the Lord has already anointed me for and what he's already given me. I want somebody else's anointing too. I want what somebody else is doing also. But the reason we are in a messianic of synagogue is because we are different. The Lord has called us to be different, said part righteous and holy. We work with the rest of the body of Messiah for the good of the kingdom of God. Not so that we can try and gain what they have, or so that they can try and gain what we have, but so that the kingdom can gain more for Messiah. It is our job, our, our role to walk in the authority and the anointing the Lord has already given us. Now listen, just like the enemy used Korach to, to rise up against Moses and Aaron, just like the enemy used Israel to speak against the leadership, uh, the, the, the authority that God had as the ruler and the king, the one true and only king of Israel, the king of all kings, just like as we look through the Gospels and we see that the enemy used certain groups of Pharisees and Sadducees to speak against and rise up against the anointed of Messiah, Yeshua, um, the reality is that the enemy is going to use others that we have interaction with, others in our own lives, to rise up against the anointing the Lord has given us. And sometimes it's going to be difficult to walk in that, that anointing when our families are giving us Uh, a hard time or when our friends are beating down on us or lo and behold when everybody walks away from us look Yeshua said it's not going to get easy he said if you want to follow me pick up your cross hate your father mother sister and brother and follow me he never said it was going to be easy he never said people were going to like us but you know what when we forsake everything else in the world and we walk in the authority and the anointing of the Ruach HaKodesh that the Lord has given us. We walk in the reality that you and I are ordained, are anointed as the priesthood under our high priest of Yeshua HaMashiach. When we walk in the anointing, the authority of the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? Lives begin to get changed. People's lives begin to be touched. They begin to see the light of Messiah in our lives. They begin to see the Shekinah, the divine glory of the Lord. People start getting healed because we have the faith enough to stand firm in who the Lord has made us to be and who he's called us to be. We have the faith enough to stand firm in that and proclaim healing, not beg for it. Proclaim healing. Proclaim freedom, not beg for it. Proclaim it. In the name of Yeshua, he says, anything you ask in my name will be given unto you. Well, guess what? We are anointed by him, so anything we ask will be given unto us. It is our responsibility to walk in that anointing, that authority. It is our responsibility to recognize our role and that sometimes those that are a mouth don't need to act like a hand. Those that are a hand don't need to act like a foot. We need to be who we are in this body so that we can work together complementary for the purposes of the kingdom of God. It's an absolute necessity. Look at it. 15,000 people died because of the ignorance and the jealousy and the anger and the lack of willingness to follow what the Lord had already called them to be. 15,000 people died immediately because of it. Let that sink in. How many lives do we have the possibility of wrecking when we walk outside of our anointing, we walk outside of our authority. How many lives are we condemning when we ignore the call of the Lord, when He places an urging on our heart to minister to somebody? I don't care if you're in the grocery store. I don't care if it looks weird. I don't care if it's right next to the lobster tank. I don't know why it had to be a lobster tank. It was just it's right there. My kids want to watch the lobsters all the time. I don't care where you are why you are or what you're doing or how big of a rush you're in or how many more important things you have to do. How many lives do we have the potential of damaging when we don't follow the call of the Lord in every waking moment? See, I think one of the problems for us as believers today, and, and I'm going to close with this concept, I think. One of the problems that we, uh, first lie of pastor or Rabbi or tells you is, I'm going to close. Um, And then he'll he'll lie that same lie three more times. Um, One of the problems, the major problem I think we as believers have today, and that I think the body Messiah is either going to have to to face and deal with or get out of the way of, is that the Lord has placed us here for a distinct purpose. We have been given the uh, anointing of the Ruach HaKodesh for a distinct purpose. We... Just like Moses, see Israel required a sign and Moses gave them the sign over and over and over and over again. We, just like Moses, are the anointed of the Lord. And our purpose is to bring the sign of the truth of Yeshua's Messiahship, His kingship, His lordship, His authority to every person we come into contact with. And I think our problem is that we don't walk in faithfulness to the anointing of the Ruach HaKodesh. We don't live in faithfulness to the anointing of the Ruach HaKodesh. We don't spend every waking moment training ourselves to be in communion with the Lord. Whether we're at work or at school or driving down the road. One of my favorite things when I'm on my motorcycle, I put a headset on and I'll play worship music while I'm riding down the road. And There's no better time to pray than when you're on the back of a motorcycle anyway, so I take advantage of it. You never know when it's going to save your life. Um, But... But being on the bike, I'm in solitude. I'm not worrying about anything else. I'm just in the presence of the Lord. One of the things Danielle and I have started doing is about 90% of the time we're in the car. Uh, we, we have our Bible app open on our phone and we play uh, the, the audio Bible through the stereo as we're driving down the road. and Then we have the kids whining in the background, I want music. <laughs> but we, pray that we play the audio Bible so that we're in his word even when we're driving down the road. For some reason, the cops frown on it when you're reading the Bible while you're driving. Um, but, uh, but when you're listening to it on the, the, the radio, I mean, it changes things. The atmosphere changes when we're in his word and we're in communion with him. And imagine if the atmosphere changes that way when we're in prayer or we're in the study of the word the first thing in the morning or we're uh, in worship like this on, on Shabbat. And the atmosphere changes when we're in his presence. Imagine how much we can change the atmosphere in ungodly places like when we're at work or when we're at school or when we're walking down the street or we're at the grocery store, these places that are not specifically devoted to the service of the Lord, how much can we change the atmosphere? And just like I said, when we don't answer the call and we don't walk in the authority and anointing that we have been given, how many lives we have the potential of wrecking just like Korach, Dayton and Aliram wrecked 7, 7, uh, 15,000 lives. How many lives do we have to wreck? The contrary is when we are walking in his anointing and authority, when we are in constant communion with him, how many lives do we have the potential of changing? How many lives do we have the potential of adding to the kingdom? Acts 2, at the end of Acts 2, it says there were thousands added that day that were saved. Three thousand. Not because Peter preached a good message. He didn't say anything they hadn't heard before. But it was because they saw the presence of God in their midst. And every day thereafter, there were hundreds added. Millions that came to faith in Messiah in the early days because they saw the presence of the Lord. Not because somebody preached, but because they saw the presence of the Lord. I believe we live in a day and age now where we have to walk in the power and presence and authority of the Ruach HaKodesh at all times. Because we need to be that sign and wonder before the nations. We need to be the signs and wonders that draw our brothers and sisters of the Jewish world to Messiah. We need need to be the signs and wonders that impact the world around us. When people see somebody's uh, legs, they've never walked, and, and they see the power of the Lord work through us, and they get up and walk. It shocks. It changes not just that person's life, but everybody that sees it. Unfortunately, there have been people that have tried to profit off of this. And it ruins the the integrity that we have, but if we continue to walk in the integrity of the authority that has been given to us in the rachakodesh, we can counter that. Cuz like I said, the enemy is going to try and use anything and everything to rise up against the anointed of the Lord. You and I are the anointed of the Lord. If we walk in that anointing, the enemy is going to attack. But if we continue to walk in that anointing, the Lord has already put a shield of protection around us. We will be protected. And the victory has already been given to us. So when the Lord leads you to lay hands on somebody in the grocery store and pray for healing in their life, guess what? He's already provided that healing. I can't think of a single time scripturally where somebody wasn't healed because they didn't have enough faith. When the disciples came back and said, why couldn't we cast out this person's demons? The Lord said, because you didn't have enough faith. Not because the demon, the, the demon oppressed person didn't, but because the disciples didn't. Why didn't we take the promised land? Because we would have enough faith. Not because it wasn't already ours, we just didn't have enough faith. When the Lord puts it on your heart to pray for somebody, the anointing and the authority is already there. The victory is already given. Do it. Walk in it, live in it. I promise it will change the atmosphere. It'll change the environment. It'll change hearts and lives. It'll change your life. And it becomes addictive. I guess there's really a lot worse things we could become addicted to than the power of the Lord, right? It becomes addictive and it changes lives. The Lord says, We will know those who are saved by the fruit they produce. Are you producing fruit? Are you producing fruit? Are you fertilizing your own faith in the word and in prayer and in constant communion and fasting and seeking the Lord's face day in and day out? Are you planting seeds? Are you watering those seeds? Are you allowing the Lord to lead you to see those seeds come to fruition of harvest? Are you afraid of what the Lord's going to do or afraid of what others may think? Are you falling to the wayside like the 17,000 the 15,000 people that died with Korach and his rebellion. Because you're too afraid to walk in the authority and anointing that was given to you rather than worrying about somebody else's. The enemy wants to destroy you, wants to destroy what the Lord wants to do through you. It's our duty to walk faithfully in the Lord's anointing anyways. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, we adore you. Father, I thank you for being a gracious and loving God, for being a God who, even when we fail to walk faithfully with you, even when we fail to uh, recognize those situations that you have placed us in to impact and touch others' lives, even when we fail to follow through on your call, that, Lord, you still are ushering us to the next appointment, the next divine appointment. Father, I pray that you will put a hunger in our hearts and our lives for more of you for more time in your word, for more time listening for your voice, for more time communing in prayer with you, more time fasting, more time being less like the world and more like what you have called us to be. Father, I pray that you put more divine appointments in our lives and and more calling on our hearts and lives to interact with others who need to see your power and authority and in their midst, who need to see the Shekhinah, the divine glory work in their lives, who need to see that you are a real and living God who is King of all kings, Lord of all lords, who loves us so much that you gave your only begotten Son that we could be brought into eternal life in your midst, in your presence, for all eternity. In the name of Yeshua Messiah we pray, and everyone says, Amen.